tithing, question mark, or giving with joy? There's two things there, and I want to bring you a, a new perspective that some of you may have never heard before. But I'm going to start with the thrust of the New Testament, what it has to say about giving. And you find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and this is from the J.B. Phillips version. A word in confidence about this gift of yours. He's talking to the Corinthian church about a gift he's asking them about. Of course, I know it's really quite superfluous for me to be writing to you about this matter of giving to fellow Christians. Think that through. Giving to fellow Christians. The thrust of the New Testament church is to give to fellow Christians and to give to the poor. And he's saying to the Corinthian church, but you already know this, for I know how willing you are but having let you into my confidence, I should like it to be a spontaneous gift and not money squeezed out of you by what I have said. All I will say is that poor sowing means a poor harvest and generous sowing means a generous harvest. In the New King James, it says it another way, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You know, giving does not help the one who receives. We're up to verse 7. Let everyone give as his heart tells him, neither grudgingly nor under compulsion. For God loves the man who gives cheerfully. After all, God can give you everything that you need so that you may always have su sufficient both for yourselves and for giving away to other people. As the scripture says, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. I'm going to go back and repeat that sentence and you ask this about yourself. So that you may always have sufficient both for yourselves and for giving away to other people. If we don't have sufficient in our lives, that's an indication that there's a problem. The problem could be that we're not budgeting properly. The problem could be that we're not giving of our time or of our resources. And consequently, the blessings of the Lord just aren't coming down upon us. And we need to think about that because the scripture says so that you may always have sufficient both for yourselves and for giving away to other people. He who gives the seed to the sower, now that's God. God who gives the seed to the sower and turns that seed into bread to eat will give you the seed of generosity to sow. And for harvest, the satisfying bread of good deeds well done. The more you are enriched by God, the more scope there will be for generous giving and your gifts administered through us. 
will mean that many will thank God, for your giving does not end in meeting the wants of your fellow Christians. There it is again, giving to your fellow Christians. It also results in an overflowing tide of thanksgiving to God. When we give to other Christians, and where the New Testament says we should give, it's an act of thanksgiving to God. Moreover, your very giving proves the reality of your faith. And that means that men thank God that you practice the gospel that you profess to believe in, as well as for the actual gifts you make to them and to others. And yet further, men will pray for you and feel drawn to you because you have obviously received a generous measure of the grace of God. Thank God then for this indescribable generosity to you. The heart of God is always to be generous. God is not a Scrooge. He loves to give. Right back in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 15.10, New Living Translation. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. That's why many of us give to World Vision or Tear Fund or, or, or different things. Not out of obligation. It's because the Lord wants us to. He wants us to give to the poor overseas and here in this country because that's his heart. You know, in Philippines 4, 15 to 17, it says, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So just the Philippines, the Philippians church understood the importance of, of giving to our work. For even in Thessalon Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. When you give to a mission, when you give to another ministry, when you, as the Lord directs you, the Lord notices that, and he blesses you. It says so in the word of God. Philippians 4, 18, 20. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Ephroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be, be glory forever and ever. And so when Paul received a gift, which he was probably giving to another church that needed it, because that's how Paul worked, because he went out and, and, and made and worked to cover his own expenses. So when he received a gift, he gave it away. So the principle of giving, particularly in the New Testament, was a well-established practice of the early Christian church and provides a firm doctrine for us to explore further. But before we look more closely at who we should be giving to, let's have a look at an aspect of giving which has been called 
tithing and hopefully clear up some misunderstandings and some false teaching about the subject. Now, almost 39, 30 years ago, 29 exactly, a well-known New Zealand pastor and Bible teacher called Graham Carl, C-A-R-L-E. He's presently in Wellington. He's an accomplished author and a very astute Bible teacher. Published a book called Eating Sacred Cows, A New Look at Tithing. And it has more recently been released as Eating Sacred Cows, A Closer Look at Tithing. And you can pick up this book at emmausroad.org.nz I read it several years ago my church that I come from New Hope Christian Fellowship put his teaching into practice and we saw some very interesting things happen in the church where I come from they have a box for the offering they don't take up a collection just a box for the offering that as you go out you can choose to give to the missionaries, and they church the size of ours supports about three or four missionaries on the field, and 50% of the offering goes to the Charis, Charis Fund. The Charis Fund is a fund, 50% of the income of the church goes to this fund, which is used to help anyone in need in the church or in the area. And do you know 50% of the offering goes to the fund for the poor? And that church has never not been able to pay its rent or its power or its electricity. The Lord just blesses and blesses. They don't even take up an offering. Graham says that tithing is one of the most misunderstood and abused aspects of modern day religion and there are fine Christian leaders on both sides of the issue. You should tithe, you shouldn't tithe. Images of televangelists and pastors living extravagant lifestyles can fuel resentment and mockery. But the defence is often that God's prosperity ideal is being upheld, at least for the receiver of the tithes. But what of the givers? What of the families that struggle to tithe every single week and aren't, aren't getting blessed? And there are many, many, many stories of that happening. Many Christians testify how God has blessed them for tithing and many are disappointed, often too ashamed to speak openly in case they are letting God down. Now sermons on tithing almost always quote Malachi's rebuke of ancient Israel. You you are cursed for you are robbing God. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Malachi 3, 8-9. But what exactly did Malachi mean? Doesn't God still want us to tithe? Well, not in the way we are usually taught today. And if you want to really get depth, in-depth understanding of the subject, I encourage you to get the book and read it, because I'm not going to quote every part of it, just some key parts. The renowned Bible teacher, Dr. Derek Prince, one of my very favourite teachers, once taught that he was fearful not to tithe because of the Malachi curse. But on reading Eating Sacred Cows, he changed his stance 
personally ordering 20 copies of the book for his ministry's international council and told them that they too should read it to prevent burnout. Because his understanding, Graham's understanding of burnout is caused because we are not understanding what tithing means. Graham points out that the main purpose of the tithe was not to support the Levites, as is usually taught today, but to provide the Israelites themselves with the Feast of Tabernacles. In modern terminology, the tithe was holiday pay. For two out of every three years, the tithe was not to be given away, but was to be eaten by the tither and his household in the keeping of the feast to be enjoyed in the presence of God. Very clear what Scripture says. The giving of tithes in Deuteronomy 14, 22-23. You must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship in whichever area they were in, the place of the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honoured and eat it there in his presence. That is, have a great big feast with your family. That's what the tithe was for. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. In Deuteronomy 14, 24 to 26, it says, Now when the Lord your God blesses you with a good harvest, the place of worship he chooses for his name to be honoured might be too far for you to bring the tithe. If so, you may sell the tithe portion of your crops and herds, put the money in a pouch, and go to the place the Lord your God has chosen. When you arrive, you may use the money to buy any kind of food you want. Cattle, sheep goats, wine, and then feast there in the presence of the Lord your God and celebrate with your household. That's what tithing was in the Old Testament. And in the third year, the tithe was to be given away. And Deuteronomy 14, 27 to 29, and do not neglect the Levites in your town, for they will receive no allotment of land among you. At the end of every third year, bring the entire tithe of that year's harvest and store it in the nearest town. Give it to the Levites, who will receive no allotment of land among you, as well as to the foreigners living amongst you, the orphans and the widows in your town, so that they can eat and be satisfied. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all your work. Now there is a huge amount of scriptures in the Old Testament that talks about tithing and it's all down that exactly the same track of what I'm, I've just been talking about and it clearly proves that the primary purpose of the tithe was to provide a feast, a holiday time abundant holiday fare for the Israelites showing that God has a wonderful generous attitude towards his people he knows they're working hard on the fields or wherever they're working, and he wants each year for them to stop and go and take a break 
and feed and feast. That's what tithing was for. Now, we still receive this in New Zealand due to our civil law, the government. Don't talk to me about government. All employees used to receive three weeks, now four weeks, annual leave, plus two weeks of statutory holidays, two days at Christmas, two at the New Year, two at Easter, one for Waitangi Day, Anzac Day, the anniversary day for each province, Queen's Birthday, Labour Day. So the norm in New Zealand was five, and it's now six weeks holiday per year, which we are paid to not work. We receive that in our hands to spend during our holidays. Surely a close equivalent to Israel's 10%. So that every time we go on our secular holidays, we're actually enjoying the benefit of the tithe. Do you understand that? How ironic it is that while our secular government is behaving according to the scriptures for the benefit of all, some of our churches have often instead turned it into a tax for themselves. Let's look at Malachi 3, 8 to 10. And I have used this scripture when I've been taking an offering at Bill Srebritsky's meeting. And I repent for using this scripture because it's not true. But I didn't understand it at the time. Malachi 3, 8 to 10 says, Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse. So you're already under a curse. Israel was already under a curse. For your whole nation has been cheating me. Bringing all, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. Malachi 3, 11, 12. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven armies. Then all nations will, will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord God of heaven's armies. Malachi was the last Bible in the, in, in, in the old, last book in the Old Testament, and then for 400 years we hear nothing, because Israel was cursed. Why were they cursed? You know, what is almost always taught from this passage is that God still requires every believer to give away one-tenth of his income, which isn't in the New Testament, in addition to all other contributions, donations and gifts, and that he will abundantly bless those who do and curse those who don't. But look at what Malachi was talking about. One, we've moved on, Jan. Israel has robbed God by withholding tithes and offering them. His, Israel has robbed God by withholding tithes and offerings from his house, the temple in Jerusalem. That's the third tithe, the third year's tithe. That's what they'd been withholding. They'd been having their holidays and their feastings one year, two year, but when it came to the third year, giving it into the temple so that it could be given to the Levites and, and to the priests, they had stopped doing that. That's what God was angry about. As a consequence, the windows of heaven were closed to them. A curse was on the people and on the fruits of the ground. 
Israel needed to respond by bringing the whole tithe. It, it was to come into the storehouse of the temple in Jerusalem. So the tithes that reached the chambers of the storehouse were for the Levites, the third year's tithe. And the Levites' tithe of that tithe was to be given to the priests. That's in Numbers 18, 26 to 28. Christians are not blessed or cursed on the basis of tithing or not. On the contrary, placing ourselves under the law, going back into the Old Testament law of tithing, will bring us under a curse. Do you understand that? Because the New Testament says we are no longer under the curse of the law. Galatians 3.10, the law brings a curse. For as many as are of the work of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. We must understand that under the new covenant through Christ and not the old one, we are not under the law. Galatians 3, 2-3 says, This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, have you now been made perfect by the flesh? So here are some of our, our, our Pentecostal churches full of the Holy Spirit and teaching that we should go back under the law and that you must tithe on a regular basis and if you don't you'll be cursed that's false teaching Graham tells the story of a woman whose husband's business was failing and she couldn't afford new school socks for her son then she went to her husband's drawer to recycle some of her socks and found wads of cash in the drawer being kept for tithes. And she felt condemned for even questioning that situation. But her husband shouldn't have been tithing on a regular basis. And his family was in desperate need. That's not God. God doesn't work like that. So enough about tithing. If you want to understand more, get the book. What the New Testament clearly teaches is giving with liberality and sharing. Its goal is generosity of heart rather than the paying of a tax. 1 John 3.17 This is what the scripture says, not what Ray Curl says, not what Graham Carl says. This is what the scripture says. 1 John 3.17 But who whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You know, the decision of how much we should give in the New Testament is not left to a system or based on coercion, but rather to the purposing of each individual believer in relation to the perceived need and as a loving response to that need. Our perception of the need, however, can be based on misrepresentation through hard sell, panic, or outright confidence tricks. 
Give $1,000 and you'll receive this. Give $2,000 and you'll receive this. Give more and you'll receive more. It's not what the New Testament teaches. <clears throat> so I believe we need to be more careful than ever to listen to the Holy Spirit as to what and where and who we give to. We also need to consider any prompting in the light of the following New Testament scriptures to be sure it is him. And we may be in some, some surprises. I was living in a flat in Hillsborough and I was seeking the Lord. I was saying, Lord, what directions do you have for me? I'm listening. I heard him say, I have three things for you to do. I heard that sentence. I can't actually remember the third now, but the two things I do remember. He said, I want you to start up a men's group in your home. It took me six months to get that going, but I got it going, and boy, what a blessing that was. The second thing he said, and I want you to give a certain amount every fortnight. That was when my Westpac salary came in. It was just an amount. And it's like an obedience thing. Nothing to do with what I might give to a, 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 a mission or what have you. But I just automatically bank, bank, bank transferred that amount to my local church. Not as a tithe, because the church didn't ask for tithes, but because the Lord told me to give. And he might say something similar to you. You know, some people give 10% towards Christian things because they believe that they have to because of tithing. Well, it doesn't matter. They're giving it because they love to give it. It's no big deal. Some people give 20%. Some people give 50%. Do you know that there are some people that give 90% of their income to the things of the Lord and live on 10%? See, there's no rule. It's how the Lord leads you. And, and one way, one major way of giving is hospitality. Romans 12, 10, 10 to 13, NKJV. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honour, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. The Bible calls us all to be given to hospitality. What does that mean? All the New Testament te pas passages that teach or sub subscribe, describe giving, direct it to only two places. The various needs of the poor, and an income for those who are ministering the word. That's all the New Testament says. It doesn't say give it to your local church. You might choose to give it to your local church. And local churches need the power, and they, they, they need up. Okay, so of course we should give to it. But the New Testament says very, very clearly that we are to give to the needs of the poor and to those that minister the word. That's what it says. 
And our giving here is to be motivated by a loving, inclusive concern for all of our neighbours, especially the widows, orphans and strangers, and those who are called to leave other work for the sake of the work of God, i.e. the missionaries and the ministers. Every person that comes to our church from somewhere or other to speak should be given a generous love offering. Why? Because many of those people have given up income to go and preach the word. And they need to be supported. And God calls us to support them. That's why they supported Paul. Paul didn't say, hey, give us your tithes. The churches didn't say, hey, give us your tithes. No, they used to take offerings and give them to another church that was struggling. It's all in the New Testament. It's all there. Tithing is mentioned in the New Testament ten times, but not, not as an action to be done. It was a reference back to what they did in the Old Testament, and it describes that. No instruction whatsoever. Every single scripture in, in the New Testament about giving never mentions tithing. Our giving here is to be motivated by a loving, inclusive concern for our neighbours. Look at 3 John 5-8. to Therefore we ought to support such men, and women, so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. When we support a visiting ministry or we support someone going out on the field, uh, uh, going out on a YWAM trip, YWAM trip or something or other like that, we are working with them and spreading the truth of the gospel. Matthew 5, 42, Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. James 1.27 Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the word. Each one of us should be keeping our eye out for that family that's struggling down the road. For that family we hear about where there is a bereavement. And we don't have to go and give them money. We just need to go and give them love. Generosity of our heart. Graham Carl says that if you and I were more careful to give more specifically to supply the income of the ministers and the missionaries rather than giving to corporate concerns, many foolish or wasteful building projects would never get started or maintained. Do you know there are many mainstream churches all over this country empty? What a huge amount of resources tied up in land and buildings that is completely wasted. Should never have been built half of them. On the other hand, if we want to attend a church with expensive facilities, and some churches do have very expensive facilities and they're reaching a lot of people, God bless them, it is only reasonable we all pay our fair share of the running costs. As we do with any social or golf club that we belong to, at this point, we're not giving anything. Rather, we are paying our dues. And we still need to consider how we should give over and above that. So if we're in a church with 
very sophisticated buildings and doing a fantastic work, that's got a cost to run. And so, of course, we contribute towards that. But that's not our giving. Because our giving, according to the New Testament, is to the poor and the needy and to those who are ministering the word. Part of our giving to those churches will be towards the ministers and those at Armistry, and that's fine. But we need just to need to think, why are we giving and what for? Conversely, some church buildings are highly utilised for community service, medical, counselling, youth, etc., all which are, are worthy of our support. Giving, generosity, it's a step of faith. I have been in situations where there was $20 left in my wallet and that's all I had. And uh, I was at a meeting, where, which I was really blessed at, and the offering thing came through. And I thought, well, I can't give my 20, last $20 because I've got to pay for petrol and what have you. But I will anyway. Darn it, I'm just going to give, Lord, and put it in. And I blimmin' well walk out and someone slips $40 into my pocket and says, oh, the Lord's just told me to bless you. I mean, incredible things. God is watching everything that we do. I was in Taupo, where I worked for Universal Homes. And there I was in this little, little building, and the Full Gospel Businessmen's National Convention was coming up in Christchurch with some powerful speakers. And I thought, I'd really like to go to that. And several people invited me, but I didn't have the funds to pay for the airfare and for the fee. So I said, Lord, do you want me to go? And I heard, yes, I do. Pay the conference fee. Ah, okay. I wrote out a cheque and put it in an envelope, sent it to the full gospel to pay for the conference fee. I was hoping like heck they wouldn't, they wouldn't bank it because there was nothing in there to bank. Do you know the next day a miracle happened? My mother up in Auckland sent me some money. Now I can tell you that that's a miracle because she has never sent me money in her life. She's never had any need to send me money. I've always earned my own money. I've never relied on my mum or dad for anything. And out of the blue, the Lord prompts my mum to send me a cheque. In the mail that arrived that day, I was able to bank it before the full gospel bank there. Isn't that God? Because he wanted me to be there. That's God. Now here's some questions to ask yourselves. Does God demand that I tithe? Answer, no. He does not. Does God encourage me to be generous and give of my time and resources to help the poor and support those in ministry and mission? Yes. Does God love to bless and care for me and my family? Yes. So here's four things we should pray about. I wonder if we can just bow our heads and you ask the Lord what the answer is to the end of each one of these questions. One, Lord, could I be more generous with my time and my giving? Two, 
Who is in need that I could help this week? Three, which missions or ministries should I donate to? The one that we saw this morning, does that deserve our support? If the Lord says yes, support it. Four, how much should I give regularly to help meet the needs of my church? to cover its expenses and expand its outreach activities. How much does the Lord want you to give? You know, it might be $2. It might be $200. But he knows what you can give and, and he will stretch you, but boy, will he bless you because that's my God. Thank you. Appreciate you.